Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I am joined yet again by Lil Mike. What's up, bud? Hey, Ryan. How we doing? I'm doing well. You know, if you've been following us on the Twitter sphere, you know that Mouth and Off show has been kind of in the doldrums of late. We've we've been slacking, not going to lie. And that's where we usually come together and do our football talk. With that kind of falling into the back background, I think it's time for me to pick it up. And we're going to talk some New England Patriots today. You excited to do this, Mike? I am excited to do this. Let's get after it. All right. Let's, let's just make sure everyone's caught up to speed here. Just in case you've been living under a rock or bikini bottom or both. If you haven't known, the Patriots came into the season with a quarterback conundrum. Cam Newton was re-signed, brought back after last year's stint, and then they, they drafted Mac Jones. So the question was, who are they going to roll with to start the season, and how quickly does Mac Jones get tabbed the starter? Well, we didn't even have to wait one game because before the preseason was even over, bam, they cut Cam Newton and make Mac Jones the starter from the get-go. And there was some, while he looked solid, while he looked good, the Patriots started the season two and four. They were tied for 11th in the AFC. So things were not looking good. I don't think anyone was second guessing the decision to go with Mac over Cam, especially in the limelight of how Cam has done since rejoining the Panthers. Uh, But things weren't looking great. Looked like we were still in a rebuild especially when you only beat the Houston Texans who have two, two wins. You only beat them by three. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't looking great. You were competitive in, in the losses, but Owen four at home. So there was a lot to improve on. Then something happened. The week seven, the Patriots annihilated the New York jets for the second time, this time 54 to 13. And from then on, It's like a whole nother team. The Patriots have gone on to win seven straight games to improve their record to nine and four and now sit atop. They are the number one seed in the American football conference. And that, that that's includes wins at the Los Angeles chargers, who I thought that was a surefire loss in a revenge game from last year, a home win against the then number one seeded Tennessee Titans. I know they're, they've got their injury issues. Sands, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. But that's still a win against a top team. And then this past Monday night, Monday night football, the wind, the the elements are ablaze. The Patriots throw three times. The Patriots throw three times and beat the Buffalo Bills to the tune of like 228 rushing yards. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, as as I stated, he was really good like pretty good, like solid at the very least that first six games of, but overall over the course of the season, he has been really good. He's completed over 70% of his passes to go with a two to one touchdown interception ratio. And just to wrap this up, there's, they've had a couple of things also emerge Uh, rookies, Christian Barmore on the D line, Ramondre Stevenson, that running back has also impressed during their rookie campaigns. And then 
uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention Matt Judon. He's absolutely flourished as an edge rusher for the Pats. His 12 and a half sacks ranked third in the NFL. Things couldn't be going better for the New England Patriots, Mike. So that being said, with where we are at right now, what has stood out to you the most during this recent seven-game stretch and as a whole over the course of the season? Um, you know, what I would say stood out the most is how Belichick's offseason has translated into on-field success. Bill, the GM, has taken his licks over the years. He absolutely killed it this offseason. I mean, the big starting point is, you know, drafting Mac Jones, finding the QB of the future. He's outplayed every other rookie QB in this draft class. And he, he looks like the clear-cut answer to the post-Tom Brady era, especially in the year following Cam Newton's disaster here. Um, you know, Christian Barmore in round two coming in and being a solid contributor day one, especially in passing down situations, third downs. He's basically impossible to stop one-on-one. And then Ramondre Stevenson is a fourth-round pick um, out of Oklahoma. He has shown the ability to take on a workhorse load at running back when Damian Harris is unavailable, and that could be huge in the future. He's obviously best suited in that, you know, complimentary role where Damian gets some carries, he gets some carries, and Bolden's the passing down back. Um, but, you know, besides those three, it's, it's not just the draft class, it's the free agents too. You know, you already mentioned Judon. 12 and a half sacks is third in the NFL. I, I think that's one of the best signings Belichick has ever made. Uh, John New Smith has really carved out a nice role as the blocking tight end, while Hunter Henry's the receiving tight end. Bourne and Aguilar have done their thing at receiver, although Aguilar not so much and still not super high on that signing, but, you know, can't hit them all. Uh, Jalen Mills has filled in nicely in the CB2 role. Obviously not great, but you're only going to get so much production out of that uh, position. And then probably the most underrated signing Belichick made, Devon Godshaw from the Miami Dolphins. He's basically turned into their number one defensive tackle. Guys out there on the running downs, Barmore's out there on the passing downs. Godshaw played, I think, 78% of the snaps on Monday night, and he had a season-high 10 tackles. So he was super active, and uh, his activity is starting to show up on the stat sheet. Um, you know, and and I think that all of those additions uh, by Belichick uh, are, are the key to their success. You know, you start two and four. There's a bunch of new pieces in place. You don't know how they're all going to gel. Then you get one game against the dysfunctional New York Jets. You put up a 50 burger and all of a sudden you get a how's your burger. Everyone's feeling good. Next thing you know, you rattle off seven in a row. There's momentum there. Uh, obviously, you caught a nice break against the Titans with how crappy they were and um, you know, the, the Bills, the wind played a major factor and all that, but you can only play in the situations presented to you. And last year's Patriots team wouldn't have won those games. This year's Patriots team did. Um, they look really good and Belichick's Belichick, the GM's impact on Belichick, the coach's team has stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to agree with everything you said there. Uh, I think one thing that's really stood out, especially during the win streak is the O-line for the first couple of games of this win streak. They were still without Trent Brown who got injured week one and hadn't played uh, since I believe he came back week nine week 10, somewhere around that range. He's played the last four games. Uh, But that during that six game stretch early on in the season, the Patriots were only rushing for 86 yards a game they had a couple games where they just completely abandoned the run altogether and said, our only hope is to throw the ball. Uh, the Pats, uh, the Bucks game and the Saints game. 
I think they combined for like 39 rushing yards between those two games. It wasn't pretty, but it's what they chose to do. But during this win streak, they've gotten Trent Brown out back. The O-line is healthy and dominating, and that has resulted in the running attack just flourishing. You've got the three-headed attack at running back in the absence of James White. You've got uh, Stevenson, as we talked about, Damian Harris, and even Brandon Bolden has mixed in and been efficient with his touches. Um, and now they're, they're rushing for over 150 yards a game, 155 to be exact during this win streak. It's been incredible to see that just complete. They're basically almost double their rushing production during this win streak and propel themselves to the top of the standings. Um, so that's, that's what's really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, the O-line has really stepped up, and a lot of that has to do with, like you said, Trent Brown coming back from injury. And the other big one is Ted Karras really stepping into that left guard role um, with Onweno having to slide over to right tackle while Brown was out. He's thrived there to the point where they're not even putting Onweno back there. They're just putting Onweno out there, lining him up as an eligible tight end for the majority of the snaps that he's on the field and saying, okay, enjoy this bully ball. And it, it, it's working. I mean, that, that's why they're running the ball so well. They put six above average to great offensive linemen on the field and just say, go ahead, tr try to get through this. And it, most of the time, it doesn't work. They're creating big holes. Harris and Stevenson have great vision, and uh, they're really spearheading the offensive attack here from New England. Yeah. Now, you talked about Bill Belichick, the GM, as standing out to you as a whole, but I want to talk about Bill Belichick, the coach. Is, is this Bill Belichick's best coaching job ever like is that is that even fair to say I know it's I know we're still there's still some football left to be played in the regular season but is that like a is that like a, a an actual question that can be posed right now um you know I've heard this question asked by like I think ESPN and like radio talking heads and everything and I do think it's a legitimate question but I would argue no I mean first of all you know, it is the regular season. And if we're going on regular season alone, Bill Belichick coached the 16 and 0 regular season. Of course. Yeah. Like, like you have to start there as like, that's the single greatest regular season that we'll ever see. I mean, the 72 Dolphins obviously finished the job, whereas that 16 and 0 Pats team didn't. But regular season alone, I mean, that, that team was quite literally unbeatable. Um, you then have to look at the 2011 team that made the Super Bowl. They had the 31st ranked defense in the league, and Belichick still got them there. They had Julian Edelman, rookie under rookie seventh round quarterback Julian Edelman playing corner because they were so desperate at cornerback. Fun fact: I don't think there are any white corners in the NFL right now. None. Like there's not a single one that I can name off the top of my head, and I I don't know that you could either. And they had Edelman playing corner that year after he had spent his entire college career playing QB. So for him to get that team. You, you could argue it was more Brady, but for Belichick to get that team was also a very impressive coaching job. And then I would argue that the year that Brady had to replace Bledsoe, um, going to a young, inexperienced, late-round QB, Brady wasn't Brady then, to coach that team all the way to the Super Bowl and beat what was the greatest show on turf in the biggest game of the year. Um, I, I think that has to be in the conversation too. Obviously what he's done this year with a bunch of free agent additions, with a rookie quarterback. It, it, it has to be in the conversation, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about 
any of those three seasons as some of his finest work as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I think even just right now, like if the Patriots finish, like let's say they finish 11 and six or 12 and five, somewhere in that range, and they win the division somehow, and maybe even they finish with the top seed. I mean, I think that that in and of itself is a top five coaching job just on, on a floor as, as a baseline for him, because this is, this was a team that I had did not have high expectations for coming into this season. Uh, I think I had them pegged somewhere around eight, nine, nine and eight. Uh, I know you guys, you and some of the other guys over at Fox profiles were a little bit more optimistic and, and shooting around the 10, 11 range. You have DS who's classic, you know, 11 and five, 12, 12 and four still in play guy. Uh, but to see the, this team just grow and develop and turn things around from what was a very not good start to now to be this team that now everyone is like scared of again. I think I, it's it's almost like deja vu. You think after last year, everyone's going to be like, ah, there's Brady's gone. It's not the same. You know, the mystique is is gone, and now they've just they've rattled off seven straight wins. And yeah, I mean, maybe not all of the wins were terribly impressive, but the way that they won those games, I think, is what was impressive, especially this past Monday in Buffalo, and to see that now everyone's like, ah, oh, here we go again as a Pats fan. I mean, how can you just not love that? But just taking a step back and looking at it from a fan's just an overall perspective. I mean, this is just incredible to see. Uh, and I think Bill Belichick deserves a, a lot of credit for getting this team back in, in short, in line, in short order, even mid season to do so. So I, I, I would agree with you, Mike. I, I, I don't think it's, his best coaching job ever. But I think if, if they finish the regular season with the top seed in the AFC, especially given the slow start that they had, uh, I, I really think this is, would make a, an, at least an argument. I don't think it would be the number one, the, his best coaching job ever, but I think an argument could be had for bumping it somewhere into the top three, taking out playoff uh, outcomes from those previous seasons. I would definitely agree with that. I, I I do think it is top three. It probably beats out that that 2011 season, um, and and arguably could beat out that 2001 season. Um, I'd even be willing to go so far as to say top two, like with with playoffs not included. The only one better, obviously, being the the undefeated season. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now let's let's talk about where the Pats go from here. So they're on the bye this week uh, as we record on December 8th, uh, Wednesday night. They have four games left. So the question I want to now pose to you, Mike, is how likely is it that the Pats are still sitting atop the AFC come the season's end? And before you answer that, I think one way we can do that is by running through the final four games for the Patriots and giving our game predictions. So why don't we do that first? Let's let's look at the Patriots' schedule down the stretch here. So they've got, once they come off the bye, they will get the Indianapolis Colts on a Saturday night in Indy. After that, they return home for two games. 
the day after Christmas, a rematch with the Buffalo Bills in Foxborough, followed by a home game against the lowly Jaguars. And then in the season finale, they get the infamous late season trip down to Miami to finish off their season. So what games do you think that they should win and will win? What games do you think they will lose and probably should lose? So the Jaguars, I mean, let's get the easy one out of the way. Jacksonville in New England with a rookie QB, a piss poor team. Like that's a win easily that nothing more needs to be said. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been, they've been benching starters left and right. James Robinson has been benched twice in the past month. It's, it's not been pretty down there. Yeah, no, that's it, that's it, not even bringing up urban Meyer. It, it, it's, it's ugly. And that doesn't include their 50 something year old head coach, you know, being a little bit inappropriate off the field and not being a good coach on the field. Um, but I'll digress on that point. The other three games, they're kind of toss-ups at this point. I think New England goes two and one in those three. I think they get they're gonna get over the hump in that late season win in Miami. I think they will finish strong there. I think they're gonna beat Buffalo in week 16 at home. Buffalo hasn't seen New England's passing offense. Belichick talked at his press conference. I don't know if it was yesterday or today, about how um, they were talking about it. I think last night or the night before, or whatever it was. And they were saying like, we have our whole passing game against them because they haven't seen any of our plays. They, like you said at the opening, they threw three passes against those three. So Buffalo has no idea, um, you know, anything about New England's passing game other than what's on film against other teams. They haven't seen it in person. They know what New England can do running the ball. They have no idea what New England can do passing the ball. So that opens that up. And with Trey White out for the year, that secondary is a lot weaker. I think New England can exploit that and take advantage of it. The game I think they lose is the game off the bye at Indy. And I know it's it's weird to say, like, coming off a bye, they have that extra week to prep. They'll have more film time. Indy also has an extra week to prep. They're on the bye this week, too. This isn't a New England gets one more week than Indy does. This is a both teams have two full weeks to prepare for this game. <coughs> and Indy is a completely different team from Buffalo. They bully you with their offensive line. They're like New England. Um, they have a really good O-line led by big Quentin Nelson at left guard and Ryan Kelly at center. Uh, they have a, you know, an elite running attack led by the best running back in the entire league, Jonathan Taylor, and they're not afraid to just bully you, and, and that defense is really, really good. You know, guys like Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki uh, at linebacker, um, they have uh, oh God, what's his name? The defensive tackle they got from the Niners. Uh, it's not Buckner. Buckner's still with the Niners. No, it, it is Buckner. Isn't yeah, it? DeForest Buckner. Yeah, it's it's Debo. Yeah, it's Buckner. I, I forgot which one the Niners kept. Which one they kept. DeForest Buckner from the 49ers. Um, the secondary is a little weaker, and I think that could play up with Mac being in a dome and uh, you know New England being able to throw the ball more than they did last week, obviously. But, you know... Indy's a really good team and they're they're fighting more right now for for a playoff spot than New England is. New England is not a lock for a playoff spot, but highly likely to get one, not necessarily the one seed, but you know, with, with a one and a half game division lead at this point in the year and the best record in the conference, they're they're in a pretty good situation. Indy's kind of 
on the out, I think they're on the outside looking in right now. So they're kind of a little bit more desperate than New England is. And I think that could play up. Uh, so that's the one I think they lose. I think they win their final three and they finish the year 12 and five, which I'd love to tell you that's going to be enough for the one seed, but I don't know that Kansas City loses the game the rest of the year. I think KC could finish 13 and four and still the one seed. So looking at the other teams' schedules down the stretch, you mentioned Kansas City. And you, th- yes, they're on their own winning streak right now. I believe it's up to five, five. Yeah, they're on a five-game yeah. win streak. Their closing schedule, they play all three of their division opponents uh, who they're so far two and one against. Then they get home against Pittsburgh and at Cincy. Um, the, like you said, the way they're playing right now, the prop, they could very well win out. Uh, they are playing very well. And I will give you that. But the only game they've really like dominated is that Raiders game uh, a week before Thanksgiving where Mahomes exploded for 400 yards passing and they just clobbered the Raiders in Vegas. Other than that, if you look, I, I know this is a box score thing. So this there, there's obviously more to read inside the lines, but they only beat the Giants by three. They only beat the Packers by six. They only beat the Cowboys by 10. And they only beat the Broncos by 13. So they are winning games. And that's that's all that really matters in the grand scheme of things. But they're not winning by a lot. Like they're they're just doing enough to win. But I think what's been most impo- uh, impressive about the Chiefs in that five game win streak, the most points they allowed is 17 to the Giants. So they've they've held some potent offenses down into the teens. And that's very impressive. Uh, if that defense, if they're able to keep that up down the stretch and in the playoffs, yeah, I'm 100% with you. I don't see how they could lose another game and they probably will finish 13 and four. Uh, that being said, I, I don't think, I, I would like to think that they will find a way to drop a game somewhere along the lines. So I, I'll pencil them in as 12 and five. The, the other teams, Buffalo, Tennessee, are kind of in similar spots as well. Uh, Baltimore's got a similarly tough schedule playing their division opponents, as well as I believe uh, the Chargers. I think they Baltimore has every division team. I think they have to play Green Bay and the Rams too. They have like a brutal yeah yeah they, they, they're brutal yeah like I and given the injury to Marlon Humphrey, I don't see a way that they end up. They can win their division just because the division's such a a dogfight. Um, I don't see them ending up as the one seed though. Like that, that is a brutal final five games. And I, I just, I cannot see that team running the table. Yeah, I, I can't either. And then Tennessee, if they weren't so banged up would actually be in such a great position to capitalize and, and potentially leap back up into the one spot with, with, Home game, uh, a game against Jacksonville, a rematch with Houston, Miami, San Fran, Pittsburgh. I mean, none of those are are terrible matchups. Like, I, I know no. Pittsburgh and San Fran, and even Miami, who's won five straight, uh, they they're looking better. But none of them are games that the Titans couldn't or even shouldn't win. But with how banged up they are and how they've played the last couple of weeks. I just can't see them capitalizing on that. So when I look at the Pats closing stretch, 
I think if they can go three and one, like he said, I think they can definitely uh, keep that one seed in the AFC, get the buy into the divisional round and thus home field advantage th- up through the Super Bowl. The problem is I don't think they're going to go three and one. Now I think they're actually going to win uh, against Indy coming out of the bye because the Colts just feel so one dimensional to me. And I feel like when you have a team that is so one dimensional, Bill Belichick is able to at the very least limit that one dimension to the point where it doesn't hurt you as much. So I look for Bill Belichick to emphasize that we are not going to let John Jonathan Taylor. And yes, I said, we are not going to let Jonathan Taylor run all over us. Uh, And they're going to force Carson Wentz to beat them through the air. And I think they've got enough, a good enough secondary to be able to hold the fort in man-to-man matchups. Yes. Michael Pittman is very good, but he's not, he's not a star by any stretch of the imagination. He's a budding star at best. And T Y Hilton is what he is at this stage in his career. I really think that the Patriots can handle that receiving core and they should, and probably will make every effort to hold the line against Jonathan Taylor in that vaunted, Colts running attack. So I actually like the the Patriots to win coming off the bye. Fun fact, the Patriots are 15 and 6 after a bye under Bill Belichick. However, they are 1 and 2 after the bye without Tom Brady. So, uh take that for what you will. I think they do beat Jacksonville, 100% in agreement with that. But I think they dropped the last two, Mike. I really do. I I think Buffalo is going to play some pissed off football and they're, they're going to, they're going to be screaming BS about the, the, the loss on Monday night. And they're going to be out to prove a point that last season wasn't a fluke that they are still the, the cream of the crop in the division. And they're going to try and do everything they can to get a split with the Pats. And I think they'll, they'll sneak out of Foxborough with that win. The Miami game is the one that I am super on the edge about because I want to say the Patriots will get their revenge for that one point loss at home to start the season. But it's the, the house of horrors that is going to Miami late in the season. I don't know if it was a Brady thing or what, but I just can't get that out of my mind. And just literally just for that reason, not even taking into account the Dolphins are also on their own very big win streak. I just, I, I have my doubts about them being able to finish the season with a W. So I'm going to tab them as two and two. That would put them at 11 and six. Uh, with the Bills currently at seven and five, that would mean uh, the Buffalo Bills would have to pretty much win out, including a win against the Patriots in order to win the division. Uh, I I don't know if the bills are going to be able to win out looking at their schedule. Uh, But I, I, so I think the Patriots should be in a good spot to win the division. And I actually think they'll hang on for that tough speed, even at two and two, I think 11 and six is honestly probably good enough uh, as as long as the chiefs don't go on an end of the season undefeated streak and ratchet it up, put it up to 10. Uh, that's the only thing that I would be concerned about looking from an outsider's view is uh, the Chiefs are definitely that the main concern uh, to taking the Pats out of the one spot. Yeah, 
Um, I guess the only difference here is that, you know, I think that, you know, I, I do think the House of Horrors thing was a Brady thing. I don't think that was a New England thing. I, I don't know if they won at Miami last year with Cam or not. Um, but, like, they won at Miami with Brady. I, I think it was just, like, you know, ever since that whole, like, Gronk putting him deep in the whole 75-yard thing and people pointed out that they're, like, a 500 team there. It, it, I don't know. Miami doesn't feel so much like a House of Horrors. They're a good team but not a great team. And you pointed out how they're going to be looking for revenge. So, I think they're going to be playing pretty pumped up, especially if they know the one seed's on the line. They're going to really want it. Miami could be on the outside looking in at that point with nothing to play for, so that could motivate New England. And I think that psychologically, we have the next two games as different outcomes. You have a win at, at Indy and a loss at home to, versus Buffalo. I have them losing Indy and then beating Buffalo. And I think that plays too. If they lose to Indy, I think that New England's going to be pissed off and want to prove, like, okay, that seven-game winning streak wasn't a fluke. We want to beat Buffalo again and show that this is still our division. We're still the alpha dogs, whereas your mentality is they're going to beat Indy, and then Buffalo is going to be the team looking in, coming in pissed off. And I don't know that that's going to be the case, honestly. Buffalo has a big game against Tampa this week, and if they lose, they're looking at a 7-6 and six record, and if they lose again the following week, they're 500 with major question marks. Or even, even if they win the following week, 8-6, and six, for this football team, I mean, that that's not good enough for them. Not with the talent they have on that roster, not with the expectations they had. Yeah, I, I think they could be a little bit lost. I think they could be a little bit questioning themselves. The media was already giving them some flack the other night. They were questioning, you know, Hyde and Poyer after, like, are you guys embarrassed about the rushing yards when they didn't really give up any passing yards and everything else, and they got pissed off. And I, I don't know. Buffalo feels like a team that could could be imploding soon if things keep going south. And I mean, I think New England could really contribute to that and play off of that and capitalize on some sloppy mistakes on Buffalo's end in that game. But, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with everything you said there. For for reference, the Patriots did lose in Miami week 17 or week 15 last year, 22 to 12. So uh, maybe that was just a Cam and Tom thing. Uh, but I, I'll, uh, I don't know, man. I think it's a, it's a new England thing. Uh, maybe Matt can cure it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Patriots are in a really good spot right now. They obviously control their own destiny in terms of home field advantage. Uh, all you got to do is win out and you should be pretty much locked up for there. Uh, I believe they would have the head to head tiebreaker on Kansas city. If they both went out, um, I'm not entirely sure of that, but I know as it's been of late, uh, they've got the tiebreakers over pretty much everyone in the, in the conference because three of their four losses are to the NFC. So they, their only loss is to the, the dolphins. And I don't think the dolphins are going to be in a position to mm-hmm. be in a tiebreaker scenario with the Patriots anytime soon. Uh, so that, that kind of rules itself out there. So they've, they're looking good with their tiebreakers right now. If they're able to handle business, go three and one, they should definitely uh, be in a good position to maintain that top spot. As we kind of wind down here, Mike, um, there is one other uh, piece of uh, note that I want to go over with you. And that is what our thoughts are for a potential playoff run for this team. Just what did it looking at how the team 
is playing right now. Give me a ceiling and a floor for what the playoffs run could look like. Now, I think the ceiling is kind of self-explanatory, but let me see what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I think it's going to be chalk, but the floor is a first-round exit. You know, like in a scenario where they go two and two or, God forbid, one and three in these final four games, finish the year 10 and seven or 11 and six, don't get that by. You know, they're looking at like, Anywhere from the two seed to, I think they're going to win the division. So, like, let's say they're somewhere between two and four. You get a home game round one. If you get the wrong team in the wild card round, you know, and there are three of them now, they could be in for a long game in the uh, in the wild card. It's every year one of these wild card teams seems to get really hot down the stretch and comes in and absolutely obliterates a team that was objectively better than it during the regular season. Exhibit A being the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. The Browns were a good team. The Steelers were great all year. Steelers got ice cold at the end. Lost out on the one seed, finished third. Cleveland was kind of hot going in, had the sixth seed. Went into Pittsburgh and put up 28 in the first quarter, and the game was over before then. Like, it, it just was. You know, if if New England goes cold here down the stretch, coming off this, this bye, and, uh, you know, goes into that worst-case scenario and ends up with, like, let's say, I don't know, who – who could get like really hot? Um, let's say they get like the Bengals or something, right? The Bengals don't yeah. win the division, but find themselves winning their last two games coming in with that wide receiver core and that quarterback into New England. I mean, that they could be a threat to give New England some serious issues, make that a game and take New England out early in the postseason. Um, so, so their floor is obviously that, that first round exit. The ceiling it's the Super Bowl. I mean, let's let's Ooh. let's not sugarcoat it. Let, let's not sugarcoat it. This team can win the whole thing. I, I know a rookie's never done it. Um, I I know that that's high expectations, but if this was any other coach, I'd say tamper it down. It's not. It's Bill Belichick. The guy the guy does this. I, I understand he's never done it without Tom, but let's not forget those first three Super Bowls. Brady might have led the final drives, but. Those were defensive teams coached by Belichick that got them there. You know, Mac would obviously have to deliver when the time comes because the quarterback almost always does. But a Belichick coach defense can get them to the Super Bowl. You know, like it, it, they are good enough to do it. Then they have, I think, one of the number one defenses in the league in terms of points against, and they haven't even had their bye yet. So that's only going to improve where everyone else is giving up points this week. They're not going to be. Like they, they, you can't give up points on a bye week. So like, they're only gonna, you know, stay where they are defensively, and their rankings will probably improve because everyone else will be giving up more yards and everything else too, and points and whatever. Um, so I mean, they're already one of the best defenses in the league, and that's only going to look better when the playing field's leveled. They've got the talent on the defensive side of the ball to do it. They've got the system on the offensive side of the ball that works. Um, the, really, the only thing that could hold them back is Josh McDaniel's nonsense play calling that tends to pop up in big games every once in a while. Um, but I, I think they can do it. Not saying they will. I wouldn't be shocked if they got eliminated. I'd probably be a little disappointed just because of the run they're on. But I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I, I don't know. This team has one of those feelings like they can get there. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm definitely with you because it's, it is again, stating the obvious. If, if they don't get that by, then they got to play wildcard weekend. And if you play a team, yeah, could be the Bengals. Maybe if the Colts get super hot, let's say they beat the Patriots. I mean, who's to say they couldn't go into Foxborough and beat them again if they don't win the division in the South. Um, so that's, that's definitely a possibility. Um, so I, I definitely think a, a wild card loss is possible. I don't think it's likely. Uh, where I'm going to differ from you is the ceiling. And it's for one reason and one reason only. And it is because Mac Jones is a quarterback of the New England Patriots. That is not a slight on Mac Jones. That is to say he is a still a rookie quarterback who has never played a professional playoff game. Yes, he's played in all the national championship college football playoff games imaginable. That's the biggest stage you can get at that level. And he thrived. I'm well aware. But the NFL playoffs are a whole nother level, a whole nother animal. And until I see him play well in the playoffs, I don't know if he's going to be able to string together enough games of either game managing or just playing his tail off in order to put this team over the top and into the Super Bowl. So I think the ceiling for this team as it stands right now is the AFC title game, because if they get the bye, then they just got to win a home game and they're already in the title game. Boom. So I think that's certainly doable, especially if they get the bye. Uh, but I'm not quite ready to say this is absolutely a team that should be thinking Super Bowl or bust right now. I know the record says that that's where their eyes should be. That's where their focus should be. But I don't want to put that label on them. I don't want to have those expectations for them just yet. I need to see one Mac Jones playoff game before I, I'm all in on this team. Yeah, I you make a good point that, you know, Mac is a rookie and that is setting high expectations, asking this team to get to the Super Bowl in his rookie season. You know, the, the NFL playoffs are are different from the college football playoffs. But, you know, having that experience, it does help. I mean, none of these other – not none of these other because Lawrence had it, but, like, Zach Wilson didn't have that experience coming out. Trey Lance had the FCS experience, but that's not even close to the FBS. <laughs> Just and I mean, Justin Fields played in the playoff, but he, I don't think Ohio State. Wait, I don't. No, Ohio State did make the title game. So Fields had that experience, but he never won like Mac did. He he got obliterated in the title game. Mac won it, and obviously he won it with you know an NFL offense in college playing against college players. Um, but you know, Max won at that that big stage and. He's got a head coach who knows how to set guys up for success. And obviously, you know, that, that, that first game, we're going to have to see how he handles it, whether he stays calm, cool, and collected or implodes on himself because that could have a big impact on his outlook going forward and the team's outlook with him if he can't handle a playoff atmosphere. But if he can and he does well in that first playoff game, I don't think it's unfair to put those expectations on them because once you see it from him, you know he's got it. And once he has it, that's really the only big question mark with this team because they got the talent everywhere else to do it. Yeah, I I'm totally agree with you. If 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 they come out guns a blazing that first game and the offense handles their business, 
Mac Jones plays well, doesn't even have to light up the, the, the stat book, just plays very smart, very well, takes care of the football, makes all the plays that he needs to make. I'm in. I'm in. But I just have to make sure that there is no butterflies or there is no like uh, hiccups, for lack of a better word, it, it, once the playoffs come around. Once he proves that, once he shows me that, I'm all in. I am all in on this team. I, I really think that the way the landscape is showing right now, their only main threat is the Kansas City Chiefs. But if Baltimore can get hot, maybe that's a team that you got to worry about because Lamar Jackson is just crazy, superhuman quarterback. And, I mean, he's basically a quarterback and a running back all in one. It's insane. Uh, but then – I mean, like you said, if a team like Cincinnati gets hot, I mean, that's an offense where I know we haven't seen Joe Burrow in the playoffs either, or most of the Cincinnati Bengals in a playoff atmosphere uh, ever. Uh, that's another team that, that could get, that could be a threat. Uh, so, but the only real threat to me right now is Kansas city. Uh, I'm not too, I'm not worried about Tennessee because they're not getting Harry Henry back. And I don't know when they're getting AJ Brown back either, honestly. So that, that offense doesn't scare me. And I don't think they can, they can hang uh, honestly with, with new England. We already saw that. And I don't think they can hang with anyone else, especially not the chiefs. Uh, and then the Ravens, I, I don't know what to make of them, man. I really don't. So I, I, I really think the Patriots have a very good shot of, of, of making a run, but I, I just want to hold off on tag tabbing this team as super bowler bust until I see them uh, play a playoff game. Well, specifically Mac Jones. I would agree with that. I, I think Kansas city is the main threat. The other team that I would add as a threat. I want to see what they look like against Indy. You know, I, I know Indy started off rough and I know they're, yeah. like, they're built for playoff football, man. They're, they're built for play. They win in, they win in the trenches. That's that's how you win playoff football games. You got to win in the trenches. They have a good front seven and they have a good running game. That opens everything else up. That makes your passing defense and your passing offense easier if you can win in the trenches. You know that that is something that you know, it, it sets you up for success if you can play physical and if you can win the line of scrimmage. They know how to do that, and they're going to be a legitimate threat going forward. They're better than their seven and six record suggests they are. Yeah. I mean, um, Exhibit A, just look at the Super Bowl from last year with the Chiefs and the Bucks. I mean, yes, the Chiefs' O-line was decimated by injuries, but they were they could not – they couldn't no. give Mahomes more than two seconds of time to look downfield before he was running for his life. Yeah, it's – having that good O-line is huge. And Indy has a good O-line and, and can win there both in the run-blocking and pass-blocking game. Um, you know, that, that's where I think Kansas City has a weakness. I know they reformed their own line, but their own line is still not that good. They don't trust it. That's why the offense has looked bad this year, because teams know that you can get in that backfield and you can get to Mahomes more so than you, you would have been able to in early in his early years as a QB. Um, I know he's still in his early years as a QB. He hasn't been around that long, but like very early. Um, but like, yeah, I think those two teams, and obviously you can't ever count out Buffalo. I mean, they, they are a talented football team. Well coached. They can't really run the ball, which I think is, you know, their biggest detriment and why I don't consider them. They won't be a Super Bowl threat until they can run the ball because as great as Josh Allen is, 
you can't rely on Josh Allen to single-handedly win you those big games. You really can't rely on any QB to single-handedly win you those big games if you can't run the ball. In this league, you're screwed. I mean, Exhibit A is, once again, that Chiefs team last year, like you said, they couldn't pass block, so Lord knows they couldn't run block either and play and catch up. You know, Mahomes is superhuman, and he couldn't even win them that game. So uh, Kansas City, Indy, and to an extent Buffalo. But other than that, the Pats should be better than all of those teams, and they do have a legitimate shot at this if if Mac. Uh, can step up. Yeah. I, I think it's just crazy to think that less than two months ago, a lot of us were just kind of ho-hum, like, ah, here we go again, another wasted season, like another top 15 pick coming our way. And now we're just like, oh, <laughs> Super yeah. Bowl, Pat's yeah. Bucks, who you got, baby? Talk it, to me it, in it, February. It, if, if it is a Pat's Buck Super Bowl, there is a mandatory fix in it podcast the week of the Super Bowl in February <laughs> with, with with Nick and Jonathan, who have oh. been literally saying for two years, talk to me in February. You you have to like get them on this oh, and just talk to them because it will be the dream. It would they they'll have to be on for the prop that special edition oh, of yeah. fix in to talk because <laughs> every prop up it'll just be Pat's or Bucks, who you got. <laughs> Yep. It'll, it'll be painful. It'll be painful, but still a blast. All right, Mike, as we're, we're winding down, I've, I've checked my notes. I've covered everything I'd like to talk about. Anything that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed in detail yet? I do. That doesn't even. <laughs> this is the last time I, this is the last time I ever asked you that question ever, ever, <laughs> ever. Surprised you asked. I'm surprised it was, you haven't learned it was, by now. It was related to the – it wasn't even just like, oh, do you have any final thoughts? No, I was specific to what we have talked about. You still <laughs> went out of your way to say that. Of course I did. Even, even the once, the one time I do a pro sports pod with you and not a college sports pod, I was like, I'm just going to say it right away. I'm not even going to waste time. So for Mike Ayula, I am Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time. Go, Duke.